Welcome to Pro Se, Law 360's weekly podcast. I am not Amber McKinney. Amber is out this week. I am Alex Lawson. I am joined, as always, by my co-host, William H. Donahue the fifth. I'm just going to say one hello this week because there's okay. only one one co-host. So just That's right. hello. Hi. It's good to see you, buddy. It's great, uh, great to be here. Um, we, have a, uh, we have a packed show today. We're going to talk uh, exclusively exclusively about the um chaos at the bar exam uh that is that is roiling america's law students uh we've gotten uh, many emails from people telling us you know you got to talk about this it's what everyone is talking about in um you know sort of the legal world so we're going to do a whole show about uh what is going on with with the bar exam it's it's you know we feel for everybody who's going through this Definitely. Uh, yes, in our in our infinite wisdom, we decide we we decided to devote an entire episode to the bar exam on a week where we do not have the one host who has taken the bar exam in yes. her life. Uh, Amber is on vacation this week, um, but we did it because this is the time that people should normally be taking the bar exam. And even though Amber took the exam many years ago, later on we will hear um, uh, producer Steve is actually going to come out. Uh, from behind, uh, uh, from behind the desk, uh, and join us to walk us through some interviews he did with some students who, some of whom have taken it, uh, have taken the exam already, and some of whom are sort of caught up in the limbo, uh, created by the, uh, the, the, the pandemic and the challenges of holding a massive, uh, examination, uh, therein. But I think we should begin, um, by, Obviously, this is a this is a this is a problem that is not affecting all sort of sections of the country equally, and every state is dealing with it in its own way. And I think it would be good to sort of orient the folks as to the the general state of play of the bar exam now. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, some of this will you know some of the sort of the way that this is shaken out won't be news to people, but we thought we would. Lay it down. So obviously yeah. the bar exam is held, you know, at the it's held in February, but it's also held at the end of July every year. Um, uh, tens of thousands of, of students are uh, set to take it. Um, people spend months, uh, you know, studying for this. It costs thousands of dollars often for for various bar prep classes and programs. Um, you know, it's very regimented. It, it works up to to this time and we'll get into how. All these delays have have sort of factored into that, um, but you know, moves are contingent on this. Jobs are contingent on people are, are have been working as summer associates and they need to pass. Yeah, to- yeah the I mean the, the the entire architecture of legal like like recruiting and employment kind of revolves around this test happening twice a year in these specific cycles. Exactly, and yeah. also around these giant in person. Test-taking yes. scenarios, which is why Perhaps we've gotten ourselves yeah, yeah. into such a sticky situation here. The exam Definitely. is typically held in convention centers and hotel ballrooms, hundreds of people sitting in very close quarters. There's often uh, air travel and uh, hotel lodging. So obviously, amid the uh, the ongoing COVID-19 pandemic, people pretty quickly realized that the the bar exam was going to pose all sorts of safety red flags and pretty much immediately everyone started saying 
are we going to have to push this back? Is it going to happen? Who knows? And as I mentioned before, the, the, the study timeline is, is two to two and a half months sort of before this. So, um, yeah, you know, this, this idea of what was going to happen immediately became a big problem. Yeah. I mean, to say that it's, to say that it's uncertain is like a, a drastic understatement at this point. Like any other sort of previously existing thing that involved public congregation of several hundred people, it's been thrown into upheaval. I'll even take the listeners sort of behind the curtain a little bit. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, we had a little story about the uncertainty surrounding the Florida bar exam. Uh, they had they had opted not to delay it and were going to hold it. And this caused a lot of uproar. And then literally moments before we were set to release the show, uh, they canceled it and we scrapped the entire segment. You never heard that. We wanted to have some entry point into how, uh, into how crazy this is. That's just one little example. Yeah. Uh, but like I said, various states are handling it differently and the, the the sort of first choice that some are making is to still have a version of the test uh that happens in person and we saw that this week um there were uh 23 states in total that pushed ahead this week with in-person exams uh that included um uh both north and south carolina virginia missouri wisconsin arizona several others held tests this week and they had as you would expect they imposed you know, distance, uh, uh, social distancing measures, um, as as many public places do. They also did sort of public health things like temperature checks, requiring masks, all things like that. Um, there are other states, uh, including Texas, New Mexico, and Maine, and others who have said they will also hold in person exams, but they won't do so until September. Um, so that has provided some measure of clarity for students who have in in some cases already taken it and then some others will take it in September there obviously were and will be challenges with in-person tests which we which we will hear about a little bit later in the show but that's sort of the state of that also worth noting at least eight of those states that um uh that that we looked into and know about um have required test takers to sign waivers uh, agreeing not to sue the sort of administrators of the exam or the hosts of the exam if they happen to contract covid after taking the exam talked about uh, COVID waivers in the employment law context a couple of weeks ago. This is obviously a little bit different, but it's um, it's for many reasons that we will that we will continue to discuss. This is already an incredibly stressful thing that students have to do. And the idea of taking the test in person adds just uh, of taking the test in person at this time, I think, just adds another layer to that. The uh, the other option that states have taken is to push this to an online exam. Yeah. Um, uh, there, there have been delays and back and forth about how that was going to happen. But a number of states, um, California, Illinois, New York, New Jersey, Georgia, and a bunch of others um, have decided to offer this abbreviated bar exam um, uh, that was created by the National Conference of Bar Examiners, the sort of regulatory body here. Um, that, that was specifically designed this abbreviated test in response to COVID to be taken in, in, in as a remote test. Um, yeah, it'll be held in uh, uh, 20 jurisdictions on the first week of October. And some of the states that Alex just mentioned before that are offering in-person tests this week or in September are also offering the backup test as uh, or sorry, the online test as a yeah. as a backup. And they're going to do it in October as well. Um the we should note that the abbreviated test comes with one really really big drawback uh 
so with a typical bar exam, there, there are 35 states um, that that offer what's called the the uniform bar exam. Um, and in a normal year, you can transfer your scores among those 35 states. Mm-hmm. Um, the scores from this abbreviated test will will not have that kind of transferability. So they'll only be sort of applicable for local admission, which mm-hmm. you know for many students is is fine. But that's a you know, if if that's what you were planning with your test and you were a UBE jurisdiction, uh, that's it's really just another wrench into your into your plans. And you've probably mm-hmm. already dealt with delays and all sorts of other problems. Um, we should note uh, there's a few other states that are offering online exams that but they're not doing the uh, sort of abbreviated standardized one that we were just talking about. Florida, Michigan, Indiana, Louisiana and Nevada um, are are going that route. They're going their own way. Um and they'll be administering their own versions of the online test. Uh, some of them, like Michigan, uh, administered it this week, and other ones are ranging all the way to October. Yeah, and there's already been uh, if you're if you're at all plugged into legal Twitter or like you know I guess law school Twitter, you have to, like you don't have to look hard to see sort of tales of strife in this early phase of this stuff. Like you say, Michigan administered the online exam this week. Um, it was the first, uh, it was the first state bar to do that, uh, in the nation. And it sounds like it went, like it was a little bit rocky. The website, I guess, uh, 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 reportedly crashed in the middle of it. And some students were unable to access certain portions of the exam online, which, I mean, if you have been preparing for it for several months, it's like a complete nightmare scenario. As you yeah. You're imagine. already, you're already freaking out. It's like the, it's like the nightmare where you forget a pencil or whatever for, uh, for an exam where you're already, so nervous and then this this technology glitches and you you know it just throws yeah. you off yeah i mean and there there are other states uh, uh michigan did this and i think there are, there are other states that are toying with this technology as well the idea of um uh they have imp- th- uh, some states have implemented a software that sort of tracks whether or not like act like like you are on like a webcam as you take the test i think steve right got some sound on this from some students who who dealt with or, or or who are confronting this which we'll deal with the the idea is like it like tracks your facial movements to see if you're looking at another screen or another part of the room like it just like the the added pressure to an already stressful situation is like yeah. uh, uh a little bit mind numbing um uh, uh, another state, Indiana, also announced that it would take sort of an even bolder approach, uh, avoiding sort of this this issue of online platforms crashing. They allowed students to take the test open book and respond uh, to text questions via email, so sort of like at their own speed and like open yeah. book, which which raised a lot of raised, raised a lot of eyebrows. Uh, some states have gone even further with uh, this approach. Of the idea of what's called diploma privilege, which is the idea of skipping the bar, skipping the exam entirely, and and admitting you to the state bar as long as you've graduated law school, basically. And 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 among the states that have done that are Oregon, Washington, Louisiana, and Utah. Some others. Um, we'll talk about diploma privilege also a little bit later in the show. There are other states that are requiring sort of a they they have lowered the required score to pass. Uh, so you, you it, they're sort of lowering the bar, so to speak, for 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 what you need uh, uh, to to be barred. Um, they are also allowing sort of temporary licenses for law school graduates, which is which is you know the the sort of term of art is a limited practice of law, which is the idea that you are 
practicing under the supervision of a licensed attorney um, while you're while you wait to take the test or while you sort of um, hone the, the the score you took. Um, but in any case, lots of different states are taking different approaches, and we will talk a little bit more about what's about what's happening elsewhere. But I think uh, now, I guess, would be a good time to bring in Steve uh, to uh, talk about what he's heard on the ground from some people who are uh, taking the test. For our main segment this week, we're going to dive a little bit deeper with uh, some of the students who are dealing with all this chaos. And to walk us through that, uh, we are going to be joined by a very special guest, our uh, producer, who is usually in the studio but not on the microphone, Stephen Trader. Steve, welcome to the show. Hey, this is fun. Thanks for having me, guys. Nice to turn the old mute button off. <laughs> <laughs> Was I mean, you are you are always the the star producer of the show along with Kelly, but we were really impressed that this week you you put on your reporter hat cuz you talked with a bunch of students who are caught up in various stages of the bar exam COVID drama. And I think the most logical place to start is that we already discussed at the top of the show, 23 states went ahead with in-person bar exams this week. And I know you spoke to some people who took it. And uh, I think we would all be interested in hearing about uh, their experiences. Yeah, I spoke with Ashley Robinson, um, who uh, graduated from Syracuse University in May, and she was down in North Carolina getting ready to take the bar exam on Tuesday. She was gracious enough to give me a little time on Monday. And uh, she was just walking me through the process of how North Carolina sort of, you know, laid out uh, letting students know when the exam was going to be. And about a month ago, she found out it was going to be on July 28th and 29th. And also they sent her a COVID waiver. Uh, <laughs> Which so, like, what do, you, what do you do in that situation? You know, you just, yeah. Yep. That's exactly what she said. I'll just sign it and worry about it later. <laughs> Cause I can't, I, there's nothing I can do. I need to take the bar exam. So, I mean, they're doing it at two locations. They're going to do social distancing, wearing your mask. Oh, they sent another um, notification you have to wear a mask anytime, like as soon as you get out of your car until you get back in your car, you're supposed to wear your mask. Um, temperature checks, and you can bring your own Purell, which was nice. Um, I think that's pretty much the only thing you can bring in. Um, and that's just kind of how they're doing it. They've set up, you know, the tables where you'll be sitting six feet away, and I guess we're just going to hope for the best. She mentioned uh, some of those tables, and I think on Twitter this week, we saw some of those tables and some of the efforts, uh, you know, your own Purell notwithstanding, um, and it didn't look like a perfect setup to me. Uh, did you hear anything from her? Uh, yeah, so that's the, the, the picture that was going around was um, basically six-foot-long tables um, looked like a good amount of social distancing happening, except for the test takers were facing each other. On opposite mm. sides of the table. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it made her nervous. She was definitely going to be on high alert for any coughing and sneezing. Um, but at, at a certain point, she just had to sort of buckle down and block it all out of her mind as she was preparing for this thing. What I've had to do really is stop watching the news, stop looking at things online. Stop. I mean, I saw the picture, but I was like, 
I can't dwell on this because I'm going to have to be in there Tuesday morning, sitting down, trying to take the exam. Um, so to kind of deal with all the COVID problems, I've had to just remove myself from the news, study, you know, the bar material and just push forward because otherwise like the first half of bar prep, everything was so unknown and everything was so all the COVID stuff was just very, there was just a lot of it and a lot of information and, you know, states are going up and the state I'm moving to their, their numbers were going up. Um, so it's just kind of like, well, it's going to be what it's going to be. I'm just going to have to deal with it. And, um, so I just kind of pushed it all to the side and, and kept studying and that's kind of how I felt the best way to deal with it. <laughs> she sounds so tired. She she mentioned, <laughs> yes. she mentioned, she's like, yeah, I saw the photo. Photo wasn't great. Wasn't happy about the photo. Let's not talk about the photo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. When, when I talked to her on Monday, we had made plans to catch up after the exam and I made sure to let her know, like, please go home on Wednesday and like, don't worry about this. I'll talk to you on Thursday. Uh, so we actually caught up today and um, just via email and she kind of let me know how I went. And she said she was pleasantly surprised by the amount of social distancing. There was temperature checks and all that stuff. Um there was a few moments that gave her pause. Um, she was the person that she did end up sitting across from uh, on at her table actually had pulled their mask down at a certain point uh, for about a half hour while taking the exam. Sure, why not? Uh, she had practiced taking the exam beforehand with the mask on, so she was kind of used to that, but she did that. She said that that did drive her crazy a little bit, but... Um, you know, ultimately now, health risks aside, she is done with this thing and can put it behind her and move on. And that's not the case for a lot of other graduates in the country right now. Yeah, I mean, the the, the people who have taken the in-person test now, I'm sure, are glad to be done with it, you know, for all of the trials that, that, that went into preparing for it. But I mean, half the battle here is the uncertainty caused by, you know, the lingering questions of like, is it going to be in person? Okay, now it's been delayed. Okay, now it's been delayed again. Okay, we might do it online. Talk about, I mean, did, did, did people have things to say about the sort of lingering uncertainty about the state of the test in general? Uh, yes, certainly they did. Yeah. <laughs> it is a, um, it, it, it's really a multi-pronged issue. I mean, for starters, um, as you guys had talked about the, the bar prep, I mean, it's a very yeah. regimented thing that's designed to take you up to the night before you take the exam. And so, uh, students I'd talked to in New York who, um, were started their prep a little bit later, um, but were preparing for a September exam. And then a couple of weeks ago found out, out of nowhere that that was going to be pushed back yet another month. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, you might be tempted to think that like, Hey, that's just like another month of studying, but it totally throws off your routine. Mm -hmm. So that's what I heard from a lot of people. Another thing, uh, another thing I assumed that you heard was about the, the idea of w what you're going to do for money that you're not working or you're worried about jobs. Talk to us about that. Yeah. I mean, so graduates, take that time period, they can't really work a full-time job. So yeah. oftentimes they're dipping into savings. They're racking up some credit card debt. Um, I talked to Aubrey Dean from Syracuse University, and she was actually planning to start at a mid-sized firm in Manhattan in August. Um, but that has now been pushed back. Her start date has been pushed back to October. Um, so she's not she's not even earning her first paycheck until November. Um, mm -hmm. She had was really excited about moving into a new apartment that she found with her partner. And that partner is now 
taking on the financial burden of paying for that apartment. Um, so just, yeah, the financial strain of it really weighs on everybody's mind. And I talked to Alexandra Garza. She is from Arizona, but she graduated from Cardozo University in May. And, um, you know, she did. she's done her best to put herself through law school, work some odds and ends jobs. But, um, you know, we are in the middle of a pandemic. So those uh, financial opportunities uh, sort of have dried up. It really just came down to me relying on my family. So my mom had to work overtime at her second job. Um, and she's in Arizona, which is now like a peak state. <laughs> um, and she, her second job is working. It's an essential worker position um, that has had a lot of outbreaks. Um, and she ended up getting sick. Um, so that was also a big stressor for me. Um, you know, having a family member be ill as well as that family member was helping support me and then couldn't. Um, There's so much, and you can hear it in her voice there. I mean, there there is so much precarity in preparing for this thing, even under normal times. Yeah. And, I, and, I, and I can't, the idea of just like, like we've been saying, add, I, we're adding more uncertainty. And then also the idea of the entire sort of legal calendar revolving around these two like batches of test dates that take place in February and July. Um, what were people saying to you about the sort of even like how the most minimal disruptions can like throw, throw you a curveball here? Yeah. So when I was talking with Aubrey Dean, uh, she, she made that exact point to me, you know, so the, uh, the, there's two bar exams. Uh, one of them is in February. One yeah. of them is in July. So there's, there's some built in uh, uh, periods in between uh, to decide what you need to do. Well, all of a sudden, when you're taking that October bar exam now and you're not getting your results until January, I mean, that could really have a detrimental effect. So now the stakes are even higher because typically you have that time to restudy, retake the exam. But if you're at risk for failing or you do fail, you have three weeks to turn it around before the test, if a February test happens again. So that anxiety of it feels, I mean, the stakes are always high for the bar exam. But it feels like now kind of even more the weight of I already am going to have credit card debt for the last three months. I'm going to have student loans that are due um, starting October 1st. And now I don't know if I'm going to have reliable Internet and me getting to become an attorney is going to be entirely dependent on my technology not failing me. Technology failing us, I think, is a great place to pivot here to talk about another huge wrinkle, huge narrative that we've heard throughout this whole debacle, which is. Even if states are trying to do the right thing and, uh, you know, move these tests online to avoid some of the health risks, that creates a whole nother series of technological problems. Yeah, right. You had you you guys had mentioned earlier about uh, Michigan having technical glitches with their online exam yeah. uh, this week, and there was 700 people taking that exam. There's 10,000 plus people that take the exam in each in New York and in California. Um, so I was talking with uh, Gary Kenny. He graduated from Hofstra University Law School, and uh, you know we were, we were in the middle of he was he was literally telling me about being worried about uh, technology issues and, and internet cutting out. And what do you know? Our internet cut out right in the middle of our Zoom call, and you know it's just uh, you, you you can't help but laugh a little bit at the irony of that. But I mean, it is a very serious concern. Like this conversation with you makes me nervous about taking the exam here. 
where if I risk my Wi-Fi dropping out for half a second when I'm in the middle of multiple choice question 47 out of 100, and and then my score doesn't get reported, I don't know how my future career is going to look because I can't guarantee that if I fail this test now, that I'll get a second shot and keep a job in, in February next year. Right. And that's also assuming that the world is in a position where a February test can even be administered again. So on, on Wednesday, actually, New York test takers found out that um, for their October exam, they're using the same software that uh, had failed in Michigan. So Oof. it's just... Yeah. And I mean, anytime you, you move this, this amount of activity online about people who, you know, who, who will sort of be engaging with this kind of thing on the internet, you think about privacy concerns. And I, we mentioned at the top of the show that, you know, that, that, that Michigan has had some facial recognition technology that was tracking your eye movements and things like that. Also, a news item that popped up, not in the bar exam context, but there was a med school. Uh, test that was being administered online and there were uh, in in New York and I guess there was a crash and then also there's a proctor who's monitoring the sort of people who are taking the tests through webcams and I guess the proctor like friend requested some test takers on Facebook who he was intrigued by and was like these are these are things that people don't need to think about they're taking important professional certification exams but uh, it just opens up this whole other briar patch of of, uh, of issues. Yeah, it's just that's pretty icky and and creepy. Um, and and that 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 was on Twitter. Um, and yeah. you know, every everybody was just it's just like another thing that's on people's minds as they're worried about you know somebody they have to set up a webcam and all of a sudden you're somebody some stranger can see into your living room. You know, yeah. so the privacy concerns. Uh, are a major issue. And I talked to uh, uh, Dr. Pilar Escontrias. She is um, out in California. She graduated UC Irvine Law School. And, um, you know, sh she's been pretty active in, you know, just trying to get some answers from the state of California and, and putting on their on their radar, you know, some of the issues that uh, an online exam can bring up. You know, we were very early on talking about the problems with online proctoring very early on, uh, about a month and a half ago, we started talking to the California State Bar about the fact that ExamSoft and other vendors had not had only had beta testing for their software and had and were experiencing like a total um, expansion of their of their clientele, right? So that they weren't really equipped to handle. 10,000 people in one day at the same time. We've been talking to our Supreme Court about this. We put together a 450 plus page report for our Supreme Court that we submitted on July 6th that detailed all of the issues with an online administration, with AI proctoring, which as the ACLU has noted is super problematic um, in terms of collecting the bio data from folks, you know, like the facial recognition scanning and all of that. Those are the kinds of data that people of color that undocumented folks are particularly vulnerable against. You know, if you're under a hostile administration, they can seize those data and use them to try to find somebody that they want to find. So we've talked about, you know, some of the, some of the financial strain and we've talked about some of the technology issues, but um, you know, real quick, I just wanted to point out like a, just generally 
um, how difficult it is to take the bar exam at home. Um, you know, some people might have the luxury of, you know, an isolated space, sure. with high speed internet. Um, but if you're a parent, um, and, and your kids are like running around in the living room while you're trying to take the exam, or if you have roommates, um, you know, I was, I was talking with, uh, Alexandra Garza and she was in her room where she's going to take the exam. And literally there's construction going on in the apartment next door to hers. And there was people like hammering nails into the wall in mm. the middle of our discussion. Um, and she said on the other side of her house, there's like a very loud street with a park. So it's just like not, it's not ideal and it's not easy to be at home um, in this setup. It's it's very instructive be- that these 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 hurdles kept coming up about taking the exam when you were talking to these people about taking the <laughs> exam. Yeah, it just really sort of shed some light on you know how stressful this all is as opposed to an in person exam where you can sort of get locked in. Um, it's just another thing that's weighing on test takers' minds. Hey guys, before we get to our next segment, we just wanted to remind you that if you're enjoying the show, if you listen to us every week, please go on Apple or Spotify or anywhere where you listen to the show and please rate and review us. Leave us a nice five-star review. It helps other people find the show. It boosts us up. It makes us all feel good. It's a real win. So if you can, head on over to Apple or Spotify and leave us a review. It means a lot. COVID is obviously a, you know, once in a generation type of situation. But what this has done is stirred a lot of conversation about the future of the bar exam as it currently exists. It's there, there has been sort of a, a percolating sort of resistance to the idea of, of, a, of, of the bar exam as it currently exists and whether it's outdated. In what way, Steve, did this did did the COVID struggles kind of further expose that rift? Right. I mean, I think the debate over the bar exam is, you know, nothing new. But, um, you know, Alexandra Garza was just sort of wondering, like, at, at, at this point, like, why are we, you know, doing this? Why are we moving forward with this? We have taken three years of classes and we have had internships and I was on a law journal and I was... I did a problem for moot court. You know, like, we have done all these things. We passed the MPRE. We passed the New York Law Exam. We've done everything. So um, the bar exam really just measures if you can afford to take the bar prep class, which I don't really see how it's going to help us with the online exam anymore. Yeah, as Alexandra got to there, it has really made sort of a, a go back to go back to the start and really ask why are we why are we doing this? And you know, if you are asking those questions, then you have to sort of come up with something to replace it. And one idea is something that we discussed briefly earlier, which is the idea of diploma privilege. So, Steve, I know you talked to some people about the the uh, ideological sort of discussion about whether diploma privilege is a better system than our current system of bar examination. 
Yeah, Pilar Escontrias, um, who I had mentioned earlier, um, she actually founded the organization United for Diploma Privilege. So, um, or she co-founded it. I'm sorry. Um, so, so she's been very active. Um, she actually spoke with our Law 360 reporter Rachel Stone a couple weeks ago about this. So, be sure to check that story out. But um, I asked Dr. Escontrias just about, um, you know, when, when you talk about diploma privilege, um, a lot of what you come up against is well. You can't just let everybody in, right? And like particularly in California, it's not going to work because there's too many unaccredited law schools or, you know, you got to quote unquote protect the public from attorneys just being given their law license and fly by night hucksters in the courtroom running wild. Yeah. And I mean, her, her point was like, okay, so if you think that, why don't we just try it for a year and like see if that actually happens? Here's a prime opportunity for you to collect data, right? And to reassess everything. What is one year going to do in the grand scheme of things if you put together a diploma privilege regime that includes supervised practice, that includes additional hours required, um, you know, like maybe 300 or 500 hours that you have to work under an attorney who can then write an affidavit in support of you um, and increased CLEs, you know, continuing legal education courses, do all of that and then reassess whether these non-accredited law schools, whether your presumption about the non-accredited law schools is correct, right? Because none of us are, this is part of, I think the disconnect is that the, the applicants, the recent students, all of the people who are fighting for diploma privilege are getting to the core of these assumptions. We are interrogating the assumptions that make the infrastructure of the bar exam possible. And our state bars and Supreme Courts are not, right? So I think that's where they're struggling, is we're saying, okay, great, let's take this assumption that nobody is competent until they take a bar exam and test it. Test it for one year. There will be plenty of opportunities for those incompetent, quote, incompetent attorneys to be disciplined if that's the case. It's an interesting idea um, The idea that, that if if you're a believer in like sort of that, you know, crisis creates opportunity and things like that, she seems to um, be warming to that idea. Now, you said she had founded or co-founded, a, you know, an advocacy group for diploma privilege. She clearly feels very strongly about it. Um, I can... I, I can imagine that the entire, I don't know what the level of communication has been between the bar associations themselves, state Supreme Courts, um, has been with with the students, and and if it's stirred up a lot of animosity um, uh, regarding the status of the bar exam. Yeah, so most of the students that I talk to, almost all of the students that I talk to um, are on board with this idea of uh, diploma privilege in some way, you know, with varying degrees of advocacy. But I mean, I think it just comes from the place of like, you've kind of backed students into a corner a little bit to answer your question. No, they haven't really heard any sort of support or any stance from any of the uh, bar associations. And they just don't really feel like in, in all kinds of different states, they just don't really feel like they have a seat at the table as um, the states are trying to figure out, negotiate these issues. And so that's just like, really driving um the the movement like what why are you fighting us so hard on this and you know why are you just insisting so much that we're just like under this strain and you just like won't give us a break this all began as 
right now, given COVID this year, let's do this. And had state Supreme courts and, and uh, state bars just done that, they would have a generation of attorneys who may still have believed in the importance of a bar exam. But what they're doing is actually curating generations of attorneys who will now work to dismantle this for the future generations because the way we have been treated has been egregious and sad and you know unfortunate and and we will not go away quietly it's so interesting i mean it, just thinking about what alex said before about the the idea of crisis leading to these new things that you had a situation where if maybe there had been more flexibility this time we we may have seen it but now we're covid has really led to let's tear the whole system down and start fresh with something new it's it's wild to see and we'll see how it goes yeah definitely um you know there's just uh, there's a lot on everybody's mind right now a lot on these students minds um it was great to talk with them hear their stories hear where they're coming from i you know i i do want to say that i did reach out to the american bar association uh, I reached out to the New York State Bar Association for comment um, called the New York State Board of Law Examiners. I just wanted to follow up. And I, I guess when I talked to students, you know, I, I said, like, I, I, I want to try and find some answers. I don't think anybody really has the answers right now. And um, so everybody's just kind of in, in limbo. Well, we do uh, wish the best to all the test takers uh, who either have or are about to take it. Um, and this is obviously uh, a, a historically unique situation, and I've I've really enjoyed talking about it with you guys. So thank you to you both, uh, Steve, you especially, for uh, putting in all the legwork. Thanks for joining us. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. And Bill, uh, you were here as well, and we appreciated that. I will see you again next week, guys. <laughs> <laughs> all right. We want to give uh, special thanks as well. Uh, to Steve Trader, who is also a producer of the show, as you may have heard, and the birthday boy, Kelly Marcano. Thank you, Kelly. Uh, and also our graphic designer, Chris Yates. Our contributing reporter, Rachel Stone. Music for the show comes from Silent Partner and Kelly Marcano. If you like Pro Se, please leave us a written review on your favorite podcast platform. It really helps other people find the show, gives us a little signal boost. If you want to read more about anything we've talked about today, just please head to our website at law360.com slash podcast. You will find all of the interesting coverage we've had about COVID and the law and the bar exam and uh, all manner of things there. So thank you again so much. We will see you here next week.